broadcasting from Northeast Florida. This is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Here are your hosts, Captain Don Taylor Jr. and Captain Ty McNeely. So what we're going to discuss a little bit today, uh, we've had some pretty interesting conversations throughout the week, and we're going to talk about fishing myths. What is a myth? And uh, A myth? Myth. And um, how those myths come about. Let's kind of set it up for the folks. Uh, All right, go yeah, ahead. Just from us talking here recently and and growing up here in Florida, and if you guys fish out there, or you know someone that fishes and one to clouds roll in or the clouds depart or it gets hot or it gets cold or you know um, several things like that that take place uh, and people say oh you got to hit the water or hey you're crazy about fishing today well we've kind of been talking about it for the last several months about what is actual factual science actual actual factual, factual. factual. it's pretty good wasn't it yeah i'm liking that yeah me too this could be the actual factual podcast and, you know and so it's uh this is the science behind the myths, the urban legends, the do's and don'ts. Right. So let's let's give... Should I stay or should I go type deal, you know? I've got a... a just to start, I got a little story, and uh, it ties all of this, what we're going to say today, into this. And if this guy is out there anywhere in the world listening, um, Danimal Grego, he knows who he is. His name's Dan Grego, and I was uh, I lived with him out in the Marshall Islands. Danimal? Everybody, his name was Dan, so everybody called him Danimal. Okay. He'll know who he is. I doubt he's around anymore, but he's, if he is. He's probably right. fishing somewhere. Yeah, maybe. This guy built a boat. Um, he bought a boat. He tore it apart and rebuilt it. And he, st- he said that he was going to challenge all the myths of fishing. So he was going to have a case of bananas on the boat. He was going to rename it twice. Um, he was going to have a woman as a captain. Everything that he could come up with before he did his maiden voyage. Okay, so he did all those things. He didn't christen the boat. He uh, named it, renamed it, and then actually cast it off the first time without a name. Had a woman at the helm, had a case of bananas on the boat and all these good things. He absolutely lost both engine power. He had twin 120s on it, lost engine power, and he couldn't throw an anchor. He was in 4,000 feet of water, couldn't get the motors to start, hit the reef, and his boat sank, maiden voyage. Are you serious? I am as dead serious as I can be. Okay. That is, he just got some bad luck. Then. That's so a true like, story. So he will never believe a myth. He will think that it's true. Okay. Well, no, well, first of all, I'm not sure if it's a myth or a superstition. If that, if that's not two in the same, What's perhaps. Is there? A, I don't think there's a difference. You don't think so? I don't know. I'm not a wordsmith, so I'm not real. I'm not up well, on. Well, neither. Well, if you're superstitious about something, that would be like you're. I guess you are technically superstitious about bananas being on the boat. But a myth would be that your boat will sink if you have bananas on the boat. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I guess baseball players, you know, if you step if you step on the the white the line, the white line, that's yeah. A, but I mean, maybe that's where myth comes from—a superstition. Maybe so. I don't know. Hey, that's what we're going to talk about though on this uh, on this episode of the podcast. This is the uh, Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. I am Captain Tom McNeely here in uh, studio today with Captain Don Taylor Jr. 
And uh, when we left you guys, we were talking about uh, today's topic is going to be the myth or stupid, super stupid stitions. Yeah, you're superstitious. Superstitious. Stu- uh, super- yes, yeah, so I, I looked it up, man. I, I was kind of, from my own personal knowledge, it says the difference between a myth and superstition lies in the fact that one is a story. So, like, a myth is a story that folks hand down and they tell, you know, over time, you know, families pass down generation to generation or over cultures and whatnot. And a superstition is actually what someone believes. So I guess the myth would be the, the guy had bananas on his boat, and he went out, and the sea monster ate his boat because of the bananas. You know, that's a myth. Well, then the superstition part would be that happened because he had bananas on his boat. Make sense? Okay. You don't get that? Yeah, I get it. In other words, you know, a, a myth is a story. Right. You know, like Hercules, is a, you know, it could be a myth or... This 40-pound bass that somebody caught one day that's been passed down through family to family. Nobody's ever seen the fish. It's, right. it's a myth. Gotcha. You know, like a white, like a unicorn. It's a myth. Unicorn. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And then a superstition is something you believe. Like you believe in people believing ghosts. That's, you know, right. superstition. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, speaking, like bad luck. Well, speaking of ghosts. Up, walking under a ladder or a black cat. What I don't understand about ghosts is how come people can hear them when they're walking Right on the floor, but they don't make a thud noise when they run through the wall. I don't know. I've never understood that either. What's that? I've never understood that either. Yeah, I, I think most people that hear ghost walking, uh, it's probably alcohol induced or chemically induced of some sort. Yeah, I would be on bet. Yeah, because if they would make footsteps, they would definitely make a thud when they ran through a wall. Yeah, I see your point. Yeah, so we've debunked that one. Okay, so let's, Captain Donnie, what do you got on the list there for myths? Fishing myths. Let's well, talk about. Well, man, we all have lists, you know, myths, you know, superstitions and myths growing up that we've been told about. Can't talk on the boat, you know. If it rains, we're not going to get a bite. Uh, Dude, if we if talking on the boat would stop the fish from biting, you never, and I would never, never catch, catch a damn fish. fish. Never, you know. So just stuff like that. Uh, you need you need a bigger lure necessarily to catch bigger fish, or bigger fish only live in deeper water. Uh, you know, fish don't bite in the rain. Like I said, I mean, yeah, there's just there's tons of tons of you know myths out there. All right. Well, so which let's, one? Which one you want to try to talk about? Debunk? Well, let's let's break down the first one about. Um, let's find out the banana myth. What? What? Why? I'm gonna give you an opinion, and you give an opinion. Then let's uh, let's present a fact uh, if there's some existing. Go ahead and give me a fact then about the banana myth. I don't know what a fact, but my opinion okay would be bananas are bad luck on a boat. Because once they're on the deck of the boat, they're slippery. Was that your opinion? That's an opinion. Well, I think the whole myth of the banana thing was about when, I want to say, um, what was it? People came over here on the boat back in the day. and Christopher Columbus? No, I don't think it was Columbus. It was somebody else came over here and folks got sick from the bananas or the rats or something like that. I'll, I'll look it up. But that's where the whole banana bad luck thing on the boat came from. Okay. I don't think it has anything to do with fishing at all. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's just had to do with being on a boat. Bad luck on the boat. Because I've caught several fish with bananas on my boat, to be honest with you. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever actually had bananas on the boat. Well, I'll tell you what we do next time we... Because uh, it's a myth. How do you spell bananas, actually? Is that two N's or one N's or... I don't know. B-A-N-N-A. I got no, no bananas. No, we sound like complete dumbasses. No, we don't. B-A-N-A-N-A. B-A-N-A-N-N-A-S. B-A-N-N-A. 
Yeah. So no, tell me your theory about having banana, a banana on the boat. So yeah, I mean, I do agree, yeah. My banana theory is... Number one, they'll stink. They, they've got to be some of the worst smelling things. Have you ever smelled a rotten banana? Yeah, but they're nothing compared to rotten shrimp or Yeah, but still, fish. if you have a banana on your boat that somebody brings, and they leave it in your... You put it somewhere and leave it there with the heat and everything, yeah. it's going to smell like a, like a muffler, you know? Yeah, I just think it has to do with if the banana gets squished into the deck or whatever, it becomes slippery or whatever, but... Go ahead. What did you find on the internet? It just says that the banana myth dates back to the uh, the Caribbean trade of the 1700s. So that's why it says never bring a banana or a suitcase aboard a fishing boat. I guess that's where the myth started. That I'm fixing to actually tell you what the exact actual myth is from. I knew there was something bad happened back in and the day. Does, you know? does plantains fall into that? I'm not really sure about plantains. How about oranges? Well, I don't, is it any kind of food? I don't want scurvy. Fruit, vegetables. You know, scurvy. Yeah. How do you get scurvy? Scurvy. It's a vitamin C deficiency or D deficiency or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. I don't yeah. know. So anyway, I know there's some videos out there where guys have actually caught mahi-mahi uh, using a banana. And I actually think it's kind of cool. funny. It's kind of cool. Actually. Yeah. And uh, so they've kind of debunked the myth uh, somewhat. Um, I'm not sure that I've actually ever had bananas on the boat. I've had bananas before I went on the boat. Well, here's another myth. Do you think you have to be lucky to catch fish? No. Well, elaborate on that then. I think that one of the funniest things I ever hear is when people say, you had any luck? And the answer is almost always no. Uh, if you don't fish and you don't catch fish, then you're going to say, no, I didn't have any luck. But if you do fish and uh, you're confident in your ability, you're going to say, no, I didn't have any luck. I don't. As a professional fisherman, there may be some luck involved or coincidence involved um i think that we're pretty good about targeting species targeting fish in certain areas and going out and catching those fish mm -hmm. that's not luck well, just, just real quick let me double back real, real quick the whole theory about a banana on the boat came is that the boats carrying bananas don't catch fish well they said that because the origin of it is uh back to like i said the caribbean the caribbean trade of the 1700s and that the wooden selling boats at that time had to move quickly to deliver the bananas before they spoiled and fishermen had a hard time trolling for fish or catching fish because they had to move so fast. And so because of that, that is one reason why they said that boats with bananas don't catch fish. Slow boat. Slow boat, exactly. Gotcha. All right. Well, then the other one was uh, a lot of boats that were carrying bananas. Uh, they originated during that time. Bananas would cause a boat to sink. That, that, that just came about because a lot of boats that used to carry bananas, uh, they never made it back to their port, which... Yeah, that could be the weather. Yeah. That could be anything. You could know, have been my God, you know that's you know, yeah. You, you name that. And then it was the last one about how there was some of them that got uh, that that people got sick on the board on board, and they they transferred to uh, people on land, right. and they kind of blamed on the bananas, which actually came from the rats, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, so. So no one slipped and fell on a banana. I haven't seen anybody falling. Yeah, I haven't even seen anybody fall slipping and falling. Right. But like as far as luck goes, back to your point, you're talking about luck. Yeah. I think you know fishing. You know, granted, what we do. Is a lot of it. It does take skill. Skill is, I think, the the biggest part of it. To me, the only time luck comes into play is, and I don't know if you can necessarily call this luck, is when, let's say, you, you hook a fish, you get him right to the boat, you bring him overboard, and as soon as you get him on the deck, he falls off. You yeah, know, that's, you know, that's kind of like I, you could call that lucky. That could be bad luck. You, what you call it? You call it lucky. You didn't come off in the water. Yeah, he came off on the deck, or else. Like, I always use this story because it's happened to me, so I know it's true. Uh, you know, fishing in the IFA tournament last year, we're on a big, huge school of redfish, threw into the school. 
pulled out two fish out of the school, 26 and a half, 25 and a half. Is that good luck or bad luck? You know, we had two nice fish, 11 some odd pounds, but we could have easily just as caught two 27s or a 27 and a 26 or a 225s or 222s. But the point is, you know, so is it good luck or bad luck? To me, that's where the luck, is, luck comes into it, you know. Well, for me, I look at it as if you lined up 100 fishermen that day and they all cast it into that same school, would they have all caught fish? Right, couldn't, couldn't tell you. Right, so I mean, the, the, I think the luck while fishing is going to be a hard one to prove. Maybe um, can anyone with a fishing pole go out and catch fish? Sure, they can. Sure, they can. Right, but yeah, can absolutely. they? Absolutely. Can they target those fish? And I mean, bank fishing is one thing. Um, you know, you get in a boat and you go run the areas that we fish in the southeastern United States and the diverse um, fishing grounds that we have. You got to kind of have your poop wired tight to go out every day and catch fish and. As a recreational fisherman, you know, you got guys that are out there fishing, and God love every one of you, but you're out there fishing, you know, 50 to, uh, 50 to maybe, maybe 100 days out of the year, if you're lucky. Um, well, I think the luck comes when those guys, those weekend anglers, that, weekend anglers that you're referring to, and they go out to a public spot, and you know what? Yeah, they may catch a 35-inch redfish, let's say. Well, you know what? That could be lucky then. Sure, absolutely. You got lucky and caught a real, a real good fish. Yeah. Said it said to me that's where maybe the luck factor, if you want to call it luck, but the guy still had to be there. Yeah, he still had to be there. Still had to catch him, really, right. you know, really, man, get him on on board, and so all that takes skill. But yeah. it just happens, has happenstance, if you will. Yeah, but when when you get a commercial guy, a professional, I hate to use the word commercial fishing and tie that into guide fishing. Yeah, I, like I, don't, I don't like, like that it either. Uh, so when you're on a when you're a professional fisherman, uh, and you have to take out you know two hundred plus trips a year. And produce fish, the, the luck is gone. I believe. It, well, no, I don't think there's luck. That's all. That's all. That's all skill. I mean, in my opinion, that's where it's not. I wouldn't even call it skill. That's just our job. And so, therefore, you work hard at your craft, and part of you know your job is knowing where fish are at, and you know that how you get out there every day, or like we do, and or I do, and I bust my tail, and I follow the fish. I, I find the fish, and I follow them, and keep up with them, and. Uh, you know, watch them, and as you've fished with me now, you know where I'll, I've showed you the day where I'll find redfish that are a certain size, and I'll go back there, and I'll keep monitoring those fish month after month after month to see if the school's still there, the size, if they're getting bigger, uh, if it's depleted, they moved on, and, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's all part of the, me, the skill. That's part of the, you know, just being good at your craft and working at it day in and day out to being the best, you know, guy that you can be so you'll have a very good result for your clients. Right. Yeah, of course. And that's what that's what we're saying. So, all right, give us another myth here. We Don't leave fish to find fish. Don't leave fish to find fish. And that's a myth how? It says it might not make sense to leave an area when you're catching fish, but similar size fish usually congregate together. So how about that? Okay. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, I, I definitely believe that certain size fish congregate together. Um so in other words, if you're on a school of fish and you're catching, like we do, rat reds. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know this as well as I do. You're, or even trout. You're primarily going to catch rat reds there. Yeah, and I, I do believe that. That's a fact. I, yes, and I do believe larger fish are maybe in the area. Uh, they're on the fringes. Offshore fishing, uh, you can find it all day long. You get in a bird pile where birds are eating bait. Bait are the smaller fish. Then you've got your other predator, your your larger predator fish coming in to eat those. On the fringes, you've got your marlin, your big tuna. So I do believe that even on the inshore, 
fish that we fish, you know, the the myth is you're not going to find a big mama trout hanging around a bunch of dink trout. Well, I think the myth part of this one is that you should never leave fish if if, if you're on fish, and when that and that's just not true. The reality of it is, if you're on a school of 13 to 15 inch trout, the reality of it is those trout are going to 99% of the time be that 13 to 15, 16, 17 inches. Hmm. So you're going to have to move in order to find a bigger trout. Same thing with redfish. You go to school of, you know, rat reds. I mean, I just was out this Monday and we caught 27 redfish and we sight casted two of them. And I think you saw pictures of those. So why, if if redfish are schooling fish Mm -hmm. and trout are are schooling fish, Mm -hmm. then why wouldn't you be able to find larger fish hanging around with the smaller fish? I, the, the bigger fish aren't going to compete with the smaller fish to, uh, to eat. Right, right. That's why. Same as being offshore, like I just said. So when you say you move, you may only have to move into a little deeper water. Those larger fish oh, are going to be around yeah, somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, right. you maybe move 100 yards down the bank yeah. or move 20 yards uh, you know, further out in deeper water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but, if, but the point, I think the myth is that you should never leave feeding fish to go find other fish which is right. which is not true okay all right that's good all, that's all we're saying i mean don't you agree with that yeah okay. i mean we've proven that theory and so i mean especially if i have clients on the boat what's that especially if i have clients on the boat well most clients you know think they just want to catch they, fish. they want to catch fish and bend a rod and have a good time and uh you know we're actually entertainers as well we are you know fishing is secondary and so as long as they're being entertained and they catch fish most clients are uh you know yeah most most clients are having, right. have a good time how, right, good. How, how about you have to fish deeper water to find bigger fish, though, how about that? Is this myth number three? It's just just another myth. I'm not really putting numbers on them here, but uh, well, it's the third one we've talked about. Okay, all right. So, what was it again? Say it one more time. So, do you need to fish deeper water to catch bigger fish? No. Okay, give give me your well, idea. Size size being relative. Say that again. <clears throat> so, so, let me rephrase that for you. Then, how about this? To, it, big, big fish only live in deep water. How about that? I think the term deep. Um, well, it's got to be it's got to be relative, obviously. Of course, right, you know, yeah, that would because be you know, eight hundred pound fishing gonna be living in two, living in two foot of water, right? So, so uh, it, in, all things inshore, being relative, let right. me go ahead and you know, no, no, I got that. you. Inshore fishing, um, the answer to your question is no. Big fish live everywhere. Right. The evidence we've seen it in the news here lately. They've had um, you know seven thousand pound wells wash up on shore, right? They just had video of blue marlin in the surf. Hell, hell, our own, our own experience. We've uh, caught you know thirty four, thirty five inch redfish in ten inches of water, right? Yeah, eight, eight inches of water. Yeah, and so I believe they go wherever they can swim. They can, yeah, where they, they can yeah. feed and swim. Absolutely. Yeah, we've we've both seen bottlenose dolphin come up into a foot of water. Yeah. You know, you're talking six sharks. Yeah, yeah, sharks come five, up in five there. foot bull sharks. You know, yeah, or black tip sharks, I should say. Yeah. So I think that's. Uh, that missed bunk a little bit. Yeah, so we had to bunk down too. I, mean, I knew that one from the get go. But yeah. thinking, some people think that stuff. How about uh, you have to use bigger bait to catch bigger fish? Uh, elephants eat peanuts. Elephants eat peanuts. And how is that relevant to fishing? <laughs> <laughs> well, think of, think of what you, the question you just asked was what? Do you have to use a bigger bait to catch bigger fish? And my answer is elephants eat peanuts. Okay, so we've debunked that one then. We'll yes, keep moving I, along. I say that one's bunked. All right. How about this then? Um, how about give it? Give us two more. How about fish have five second memories? No, nah, man. Anglers are the one that have five second memories, man. They, I don't. I don't know. And you know, this is going to be a good topic. Um, 
let's um, I, I, we'll come back and talk about this one because I just even like I said on Monday, uh, caught the same fish. We've both within, caught the same fish within minutes of each other, right? And I mean, literally minutes, maybe two or three minutes. So, so five seconds. Well, I don't think I've ever caught one within five seconds. I don't either, but I'm not. I'm not really positive. But it does. It does say that a study showed that fish remember things for up to five months. When they may, which I don't know how they would ever how they would ever figure that out, but uh, well, I'm sure I mean, some kind of scientific way they can break that down. But well, you got to think if it, does a fish remember where structures at? So and you and I have caught tagged fish recently. They can see that though, right? But they got to remember it somehow, right? Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I, I guess yeah, I'm sure. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm sure they would. Yeah, does well, take lures to catch bigger fish. You know, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you have to have a bigger lure to catch bigger fish? Uh, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's a couple more. Of them I want to run down real fast, man. We have time right. and. Just so, want to blow through them, and yeah, let's blow through them. We'll get a yay or an a, and if it if it's if it tips our fancy, then we'll stop and uh, tips our fancy, yeah, man. All right. In other words, let's see here. Fish can't see objects on dry land while in the water. I'm gonna go with um, they can. Yeah, I think they can too. All right. Uh, you need to have stronger line to catch bigger fish. Mm, no. Uh, I think it's partially true. You have to have stronger line to catch bigger fish. I mean, you can't go out and catch a. 900 pound marlin on six pound test so i think well, it's, i think it's partially true but yeah. now you're taking the sport out of it i would think, I think there's some relevance well sure yeah there's got to be some relevance but yeah. i mean i think it all depends on the, on the circumstances honestly so, i mean it has to okay so here can you catch or could you catch a 900 pound marlin on six pound test the question says you yes need, it says you need to have stronger line to catch bigger fish i think you can catch them landing them is a different story I would still think it's all kind of relevant. Yes, me, but okay. that's, that's just me. All right. Uh, a license is required everywhere you fish. No. As a rule of thumb, you should have your license with you whenever you fish. Yes. But there are certain occasions which you don't need one. No. Problem of, uh, okay, here's one. Drag should be set tight to stop fish. Um, no. No, I agree, no. And the reason why is, I mean, obviously you want to have enough drag to set the hook. But you don't want to have too much drag because you will break them off. Or lose your rig. That too. You know, don't forget, you know, fish don't always swim away from you. All right. So here's a good one about drag. So as um, your standard 2000 series 2500 reel, you put, um, obviously, I'm hoping you do, I do, uh, you know, some back shot. Mm -hmm. I do. And and build it up and, you know, whatever we run out for the top shot. So we're looking at what, 100 and, 125, 150? 125 yards of 10 pound braid. 10 pound braid. That's what I fish with spider wire. So, business braid. If you have your, if you have your um, drag set at say six pounds or four pounds, six pounds, eight pounds, whatever, mm-hmm. you run out 75 yards at 125, has your drag increased or decreased? If you say that one more time now, I, I, okay. I'm sorry for the dead air there, but I'm trying to think what you just uh, said. That's right. I'll edit it out. So if you have um, 125 yards of um, 10-pound braid and your fish that you hooked runs out 75 yards of that, has your drag increased or decreased? Ne- neither. It has increased. How would my, if I haven't set it, if I had it set on a certain drag? Because the, spool, the diameter of the spool is, the diameter of the spool lessens as the line runs out which makes that circumference or that radius smaller, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. And then there. it tightens the drag. Yeah, I guess I've never really, yeah. I've never really had one, honestly. Uh, Take that much? Uh, I mean, I've had, yeah, I had, I've had, I guess I have had it happen before, but 
not very many times, and it was just by accident while I was targeting, uh, you know, as usual, bycatch right. and uh, bullhead, for instance, mm-hmm. in St. John's River trout fishing with eight pound braid, right? And the sucker, you know, wound up catching. A, I wound up catching a 40, 40 inch bullhead, right? Called it. I called him the and landed him. Right now, red eight pound yeah, braid. And you're a, a big ten know, pound leader. Tarpon, something that's going to run, or if you're offshore, or, or a tarpon that's going to give you, you know, a big redfish, not going to give you an hour fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's going to give you a, a tussle, but it's not going to. It's not the same fight as a big tarpon. It took me forty minutes to get this one in. Actually, right. he turned my cues around and yeah. literally pulled it against the current in the St. John's River. I mean, I wouldn't even um, try to crank on him. I just right. let him, um, just let him have his way, and right. he literally turned. But he turned the boat around. And pulled it against the current, yeah. about a hundred yards, and gave out. Nice fish. That was monster fish. Yeah. One so, of the biggest ones ever caught. So you'd you, something you'd be cognizant of maybe if you're out, you know, fishing and you're starting to give up a lot of line, you may or may not want to adjust your drag a little. Sure, I agree with that. I'm okay. saying great. Thank you. Uh, here's a, here's a good question. I even get this question sometimes. Uh, people ask me this question when I'm out and about, and you know, I, <clears throat> I've heard the comment made that it separates the the good fisherman from the great fisherman. Uh, fish only bite when they're hungry. No. Yeah, absolutely not. You can always get that reaction bite. The most expensive fishing equipment is always the best? No. Yeah, absolutely not. It doesn't matter what kind of line you use. It does matter, definitely. There's a relevance to that again. Yeah, but it does matter, definitely. I mean, we grew up fishing the, the cheapest monofilament you could get. Back in the day, yeah. Yeah. And still call, still bang the fish out. And now, you know, he's all, he's all right now. I mean, you got to think the the fishing regulations that are in place today were not in place 25, 30 years ago, well, most of them. Well, 25, so, 30 years ago, we didn't have braid, did we? No, but we wore the fish, you know, we and our parents yeah. wore fish out on what would be today considered cheap gear, uh, cheap line, right? And Absolutely. Uh, but that, that's how they went fishing back then. So I think technology well, well, you, sometimes you, is a... You use what you have available, you know. So uh, yeah. it's no different like golf, for instance. Those guys used to hit it 300 yards with persimmon woods and, you know, on yeah. goat ranches. And now these guys have these high-tech balls made for high-tech uh, drivers. And yeah. so it's all relevant. Yeah. Uh, fishermen must learn many different knots. No. Yeah, I agree. Nah. Fish, here's a, here's a kind of interesting one. Fish bite best in the morning and the evening. Hmm. Okay. I, th- I think it's just partly true. I mean, it's, I think it all depends on location. I love to fish in the morning and in the evening. So do I, but I mean. I think that's more just for the nature and the beauty of the water. Um, I don't really, I don't know. There may be I some. Think sing- I think it's location. You know, lakes are differently. Like it says, I'm reading, you know, shallow water is different than deep water. And yeah. lakes are different than creeks, you know, with the current and stuff. So. I think it's all, once again, it's kind of a relevant thing. There may uh, be some topwater significance to that in the morning. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah. But um, I think it's just part of the the myth where you go out first thing in the morning. you got to get out first thing in the morning before daylight, and you got to get in your spot and, you know, wait 45 minutes and be super quiet, and you'll catch fish, which if you fish like I do with our clients, uh, I'll fish around the tide. Yeah. And the two hours before low tide may be at 1.30 in the afternoon. Right. Low tide maybe at three, and then fish it till five thirty or you know six o'clock. So, That's right. I, you know, I, I just don't. I think you know, especially our kind of fishing, a lot of it's built around the tide and whatnot. So, sure. If your line goes slack, you lose the fish. Hmm. No. Not always. If you've lost, no. I, I think it's, I think it's what I'm trying to say is, if you're fishing and you, and you hook a fish and your line goes slack, that means you lost the fish, which we no. know is not true. No. That means he could be you know kamikaze in the boat or something. Yeah, he could be coming big, right big, at you. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So. 
Uh, and then there's, we've already touched on bananas. And that's it. There is one more that I, I skipped earlier that I want to come back and talk about because I don't want to call it a lightning rod topic, but I think it's going to go against the general knowledge of what most of us were taught. And I say most of us, you know, that fish 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, our fathers and you know, their fathers. And so uh, there's one on here that talks about the barometric pressure. Okay. Um, do you know what the barometric pressure is? Sure I do. How about telling us what the barometric pressure is? It is the pressure of the barometers. Barometer, barometrics. What did you, you say it was? The barometers? Uh, yeah, the barometers. I don't know. What a yeah. bar, what, what's the barometer? The barometric pressure. I don't have the definition in front of me. Okay. So, but it has to do with the... Uh, it's the, basically the atmosphere. The atmospheric pressure. The pressure of the atmosphere, you know, uh, right. changing from high to low, stable, yeah. higher, low, and yeah. basically the pressure that's being put down on the water or taken up off the water. Right. And, of course, it's back, back yeah. in those days it was done with the... Um, well, even today, I think every newscast, every newspaper, every fishing report talks about barometric pressure is either rising or falling. Well, yeah, and, uh, basically you, you hear the term uh, low-pressure system or a high-pressure right. system, which normally refers to either nice, nice blue, weather bluebird. or bad weather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the bright sunny skies, clear skies, or you got right. rain coming. So, so the pressure rising or falling, um, the lower the pressure or the higher the pressure, <clears throat> maybe affects um, creatures above the surface, but has nothing to do at all with, uh, or very little to do with uh, subsurface creatures or marine fish. Correct, and I think a lot of guys have been always taught. You know, you've always been taught, or it's been. It could be a, like I said, it's a myth. Uh, and I guess you know this probably goes myth and superstition. Okay. In this case, I think it's to be a superstition that uh, you catch fish based on what the barometric pressure is doing. Okay. You know that there's a lot of people out there that's going to think we're nuts right about now. Well, they probably are. I think we're nuts anyways. But yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to think we're off our rocker definitely now. So. Right. Okay. But uh, <clears throat> after this break here, I want to really get into this because it's going to take us a little bit of time. I don't want to get cut short here on this one, but uh, I want to discuss with you. The difference is, you know, first of all, let's talk about what barometric pressure is. Let's, okay. let's give them an exact, you know, uh, definition. And then we'll talk about what we've all, just like Christopher Columbus discovered America, you know, we landed on the moon. Right. You know, one of those kind of deals where something we've always been taught yeah. that may not necessarily be the truth. Right. In our opinion, it's kind of a lightning rod topic. Uh, some folks may think, hey, this is boring to talk about. Some people may think that we're crazy. But uh, Ty and I have come across this topic of the barometric pressure and it's a topic that I think that most people you know you guys out there listening and I know I have and I'm sure you have yeah our whole life growing up fishing about how you fish around let's let's, let's use the word weather a weather front, pattern a front yeah. a front you know weather growing patterns. up you always hear the word front right. oh you got to fish one day before the front or two days after the front you know you, right. you hear that all the time right well yeah. and of course the bar- the barometric pressure is what brings that front in right and we took it upon ourselves to challenge these fronts correct and, and we went out and we fished prefrontal frontal and postfrontal we fished during uh, the front you know yeah front, yeah. yeah and um, <laughs> we've caught fish successfully so it led us to Start doing some research on these yeah, on this some, topic. Some digging, yeah. And uh, we found some pretty interesting stuff. So, uh, for those of you that that don't know, or or, or maybe yeah, everybody everybody's heard barometric pressure. So, uh, simply put, barometric pressure is the measurement of air pressure in the atmosphere. I'm having a hard time. Specifically, 
the measurement of the weight exerted by the air molecules at a given point on Earth. All right. Okay. Um, so break that down in layman terms. Barometric pressure changes consistently. I mean, constantly, and is always different depending on where the readings take place. The average barometric pressure, uh, as sea level is commonly cited, is 14.7 pounds per square inch. So that means just walking around on Earth at sea level, you have 14.7 pounds per square inch of pressure pressing down your body. You don't feel that. Now that's out of the water? That's at sea level. That's just walking around? Just walking around at sea level. So like right now, when we're sitting here, we got 14 pounds of pressure on us? 14.7 pounds per square inch. Okay. okay. We don't feel okay. that because we're accustomed to it. Sure. Right? Okay. Um, however, um, obviously that's an average, right? Because if you're not at sea level, then that's going to change a little bit. Sure. Right? That right. Um, like if you're in Denver or something. If you're in higher elevations mm-hmm. where, <clears throat> excuse me, where the atmospheric pressure uh, would be lower than sea level. Uh, it's given here. There's an estimate that there are 50% fewer air molecules at, fi- at 18,000 feet than there are at sea level. Uh, one of the- okay, well, you know, let's... I hate to bore everybody with the science mumbo jumbo of it, but we're I, getting, think it, I think it's important. But, <clears throat> but the reality of this, what we're trying to get across is that the barometric pressure is what you know. We've all been taught when you got a cold front coming in, or you've got some warm weather coming in, you've got rain coming in. All that involves a barometric pressure, which is like a low pressure system, a high pressure system, you know, stable weather, and you can literally watch the barom- you know, the barometer, you know go up or down. I think the normal area is about 29 and some change, 29.6 or something like 29. that. 20, 28, 20, I think. 29.92. Is it 29 or 28? 29.92. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, based on all those, all those points that it goes up or down, uh, a lot of guys that I know, and probably I'm sure that you know, uh, they build fishing trips around them. You know, a lot of guys won't go fishing uh, because it's, Three days before a front. A lot of guys won't go fishing because it's one day after a front. A lot of guys won't go fishing during a front. Right. These and, guys are fair weather fishermen. And they are. A yeah. lot of times you hear guys say, well, these are tournament conditions because. Well, yeah. yeah. But that's right. because you have to be out there in it. You got to be out. <laughs> yeah, you have to be. In, but it is. Uh, I know what they're saying. It's, right. It seems like every tournament's crappy. Right. Well, when you think about it, we're always, we are always in a prefrontal, frontal, or postfrontal always. state. Always. Absolutely. Always. Right. So you, so if you just said that out loud, in a group of fishermen, if you if you had a fisherman say, "Well, I will never fish prefrontal or postfrontal or any time there's a front," well, they'd never go fishing. Well, because they're always fishing in one. You're, you're always line. fishing. In they one. may not even know it. But the reality of it is, I think the point we're trying to make here is that we came across this article regarding this pressure myth, written by a doctor, and we won't say his name right now, but he is totally debunked if you will pretty accomplished guy very accomplished guy uh got a pretty you know third you know third bread of a background right. and uh he pretty much thinks it's all bullcrap basically, basically. Right. let me well, just go ahead and spell it out you yeah know. read us off the first paragraph here and let's see um we're gonna let's let's try to get this guy on the show in an upcoming show okay and um we're gonna we're gonna read uh, some of his article, or maybe most of it, right now, and um, then we're going to call this guy up or email him and see if we can get him to come on the show and, and talk about this a little bit more, and um, how this may or may not affect your fishing. Yeah, so. the, this gentleman goes on to say that uh, he he also fishes, and he says that you know a lot of fishermen have ideas and opinions that the environment, that mainly the marine environment, uh, that do not stand up to scientific scrutiny, and he says that many anglers believe that the changes in the barometric pressure strongly influence fish behavior. 
most notably their willingness to cooperate, you know, or obviously be caught with anglers. Uh, he said he's seen that some have even written that fish can detect a change in their barometric pressure before it happens. And he said, in his opinion, that's an interesting notion, perhaps, but it is almost in every instance untrue and incorrect. Untrue and incorrect in every instance. Yeah, so he's pretty much saying that's a crock of crap. Yeah, he's saying that's, that's a myth. Yeah, it's a myth. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that's, if it's not scientifically proven, then I guess it is a myth technically. But yeah, so this is uh, so that's that, no, that's how he pretty much went out swinging out the gate. You know, he just pretty much said, "Hey, you're wrong. Blank you. Here's my finger." And right. Know. So what is it? This is called uh, the pressure myth. Is what we're that's, after. That's correct. A pressure a pressure myth okay. written by a doctor, and like you said, he's a very accomplished guy. Uh, got a very uh, good academic background. Okay. And then this is a pretty. Uh, the, the, we're getting this article from a. Uh, a place that's isn't this place pretty uh, well known? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was, but I just wanted to kind of make sure. Yeah, it is, and we could probably say where it comes from. It came from Midcurrent. Yeah, the article's in the Midcurrent uh, magazine. Yeah, and the and yeah, well, I should say magazine on, online. You know? Online magazine. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, he also goes to say that a, a rise or fall in the barometric pressure, such as with an approaching cold front, usually means a shift in the weather pattern, and it is the change in the weather. He, and he says, not any fluctuation in the barometric pressure that affects both the fish and the fishing. So let me just say that one more time, okay? Yeah, say it again. Okay. He says, a rise or fall in, in barometric pressure, such as with an approaching cold front, usually means a shift in the weather pattern. And it is the change in the weather itself, not the weather, not any fluctuation in the actual barometric pressure that affects both the fishing and the fishing. He said, in fact, most saltwater, most saltwater species do not even uh, do not even know or are aware of any barometric variations. Okay, so if you if, okay, barometric pressure has nothing to do with the fish moving or eating or feeding. That's However, That's the impending weather does. Right, and which is caused by the barometric pressure rising or falling. Right, and, and, and you know, when you think about that, the weather, this it's talking about talks about the wind. Of course, you know the tides are affected by the, the pressure. Of course, even the water level is, is affected right. by sometimes. All right, I've got a question. Okay, so if the barometric pressure creates the wind and the weather pattern, and the wind and the weather pattern affect the fish, then doesn't the barometric pressure therefore affect the fish? I think indirectly. Indirectly. Well, it affects the weather, not the fish. Okay. Which so, I, I know where you're going with that. I mean, does it, I think, and we're, we're heading to it, I think when people think of barometric pressure, the first thing you hear people throw out right out the gate is, oh, it affects your swim bladder. The fish is swim bladder, yeah, right. Correct. The fish, is, the fish is swim bladder. Their ability to want to feed or not feed. Right. And so I think that's in a lot of guys' minds that because of the barometric pressure falling or rising, the fish are going to or are not going to bite. So the barometric pressure, according to the article, would I'm going to decipher a little, starts and stops at the waterline. So barometric pressure does not go below the waterline. Well, correct. It, the barometric pressure, it, it does not. Now, it will put pressure down on the water, as we're saying, but it does not actually go into the water itself. The water, you know, the... the uh, you know, from, I guess, like you said, the water line on down. Uh, and so what he's saying here basically is that there, there's not any fluctuation in the barometric pressure, pressure uh, that affects the fishing or the fish. So he's basically saying that it has absolutely nothing to do with your ability to catch fish 
or the fish, you know, wanted to feed themselves. So, okay, which I think is very uh, interesting based, based, you know, being this, we've never been told that ever. Yeah, I've always been just, told. Just the opposite, you know. Yeah. You watch the barometer. Hell, it's in every, uh, I think it's just about in every fishing report. It's in every tide table. It talks about the rising and falling of the barometer, so. He goes on to say here, so changes in the barometric pressure therefore indicate capricious weather. In general, low-pressure systems bring unstable conditions, often with precipitation, rain, you know, and clouds. A rising barometer means high pressure is approaching the harbinger of stable and clear skies. So he goes on to say, so that's what basically, you know, we as fishermen, you know, we're seeing that change in the weather pattern itself, okay? Right. So that, that's the that's the, that's the, the, we the direct... You know, yeah, we feel the effects. Correct. Of right. Effect that we see. Right. Tongue twister there. And then he goes on to say, uh, basically, that, that the fish respond to these fluctuations day to day. He talks about how that consider the normal value of barometric pressure is about 30 inches. So strong high pressure is about 30.7. And low pressure, such as during a hurricane, can get down to 28. He said the difference between these two extremes is 2.7 inches of barometric pressure. Uh, which is equal to about 0.9 atmospheres. So the barometric pressure difference from a simple passing cold front is only about 0.6 atmospheres. 0.6 right. atmospheres. And what is an atmosphere? That is, uh, I think it's, what, 14.7 uh, yeah, like pounds per square inch, I want to say it is, PSIs. Uh, atmosphere pressure is often called the barometric pressure. So, bottom line is he's saying that, you know, there's not a whole lot of fluctuation in between just normal low pressure, normal high pressure, and even a hurricane. Right. So, not enough to affect the fish's swim bladder. Yeah, not, okay. enough, to, not, not enough for him, them, them to even really know it, you know. Right. Okay. Well, uh, that sounds interesting, confusing, uh, and possibly uh, incendiary all at the same time. So, we have to find a way to tell everyone out there listening that thinks... Uh, they know how the weather affects fish that uh, they're wrong. Yeah, he goes on here to, to say, which I find interesting, that, you know, a falling barometer, uh, it tells us how fast or how slow a pressure system's coming in, you know, with a slow-moving storm, how slow it would dip with a, with a fast-moving storm, how slow it would dip or rise. And then he says on here, simply stated, the barometric pressure does not change quickly enough to magically turn the bite on or off. Perfect. That's his quote. Now. All right. I'm, I'm, quote, quote. I'm, I'm quoting there. Simply okay. stated, barometric pressure does not change quickly enough to magically turn the bite on or off. Now he says, it is certainly is one of the ingredients in the overall weather process, but temperature, cloud cover, wind direction, and speed, and humidity, humidity can also affect fishing conditions. But more importantly, the rate and amount of change in the barometric pressure is so insignificant compared to what's going on below the surface. Wow. Okay. Sounds good to me. You know, and then, it, I mean, it's a big, long article here, and, you know, goes on to some numbers, but... And it's got his name there and his uh, resume and those things. Well, it also has yeah. on here what he thinks that actually affects the fish and the, the fish, their ability to feed, uh, or their need to feed, I should say. And then he talks about this different kind of pressure, which I don't think that I was really uh, aware of until maybe a month or so ago. Right. Uh, that affects them directly. Okay. And we can come back and talk about that here in a second if you want to. And it talks about their swim bladders, the volume of gas they have in them. But, you know, I, I read these articles and I wonder, is he talking about fish in the ocean? 
Is he talking about fish in a pond? Well, he is said he, saltwater fish. Is he talking? Well, he said some saltwater fish. Okay. And so you know that that's where I, I wonder how you know skewed these things are. Right. And you know when you do it when they do these research, these tests and whatnot. Are they doing? Were they doing them at? I'd like to have more information about right. that. Maybe when we get him on here, we can ask him those kind of questions. Yeah, we're going to try to get him on. I think you know, does the salinity um, of the water play a factor? Does the if a fish is more um, has more cartilage in its body, like maybe like a shark, do, do they have the same issues? Uh, do all fish uh, have these issues, or some swim bladders thicker than others? I got a lot of questions. Right. So, yeah. But I find it very interesting the way he just basically says that the barometric pressure doesn't, you know, have anything to do with it. Uh, this other type of pressure that we'll talk about here in a little bit. It, okay. It, it does uh, it talk. He does talk about how there's a different kind of pressure that that he associates, uh, you know, with the fish to swim bladder. Even us as humans, be able to dive or even swim in, you know, several you know feet underneath the water. Uh, and I really don't want to bore everybody with at a depth of like 32 feet in the ocean. Blah blah blah. Which I guess it may add some credence to it, but I'd rather give give the folks the article right. where they can find it at and yeah. let them read it themselves. Right. And, and that's uh and see what they think. You know, that's that, midcurrent.com. Yes, it's midcurrent.com and the article title is The Pressure Myth. The Pressure Myth. Yes. All right. Backwater hustle. hustle. Sorry. All right. Now we need a little levity here tonight. We're uh we're getting into some pretty deep stuff. Um no pun intended. And um uh, it's kind of funny though. Yeah, some of this stuff's pretty cool. It's um, it's definitely a. I guess I guess cool is maybe uh, who you ask. Yeah, who you ask. I'm not so sure this topic would be probably cool with, but even folks listening here, they may think, "Man, what are these dorks talking about?" Yeah, now? yeah, I don't know, but you know, I challenge anybody that's that's listening to uh, prove us wrong. I mean, my thing is if you, if you fish and you really like me, I fish every day, but you can always learn something. And if you've been doing something the wrong way, well, right. I'd like to know it. And how I what what I can do to correct it yeah. and do it the right way. How do I improve my odds? Absolutely. Right. So we were talking about barometric pressure and how that affected a bunch of stuff. And then you brought up something interesting uh, before break was uh, hydrostatic pressure. Well, I hadn't quite got to hydrostatic pressure yet, but you know, just to kind of reiterate. You know, this doctor goes on to say uh, before he gets into hydrostatic pressure, he he basically says. You know, simply stated that the barometric pressure does not change quickly enough to magically turn the bite on or off. And so to me, that's pretty uh, cut and dry right there. Yeah, it's pretty definitive. So, so basically he's saying the barometric pressure pressure has absolutely not one thing to do with fishing. With fishing. Right. With fishing or with, you know, technically, yeah, the right. fish eating. The only thing barometric pressure affects is the human beings going fishing. Pretty much. That's it. If, if I understand it correctly. Right. But then, yes, he does go on to uh, talk about hydrostatic pressure which is something i wasn't real familiar with until about a month ago and apparently the hydro, hydrostatic pressure is actually the the pressure in the water that increases with the depth uh due to the weight of the water you know above it right and so therefore and he just talks about you know you know you go swimming when you dive down into the water the deeper you get obviously the effects you feel on your body right and that's that effect is first from the hydrostatic pressure gotcha okay um and then he just goes talks about you know the depth of thirty two feet, which I don't want to get into all that. But he goes on to say that fish can tol- can tolerate hydrostatic pressure because they have swim bladders. Right. And I know swim bladder is a big thing that guys talk about when they discuss right. barometric pressure. Right. And so it's really the hydrostatic pressure that affects them or does not affect them. Right. I guess so to speak. Okay. Uh, instead of the barometric pressure, and he says that the swim bladder contains you know their swim bladders have a volume of gas. And they they adjust uh, 
in their environment to equal out that gas. Okay. So when fish travel, as we know, we've discussed before, when they go to deeper water, you know, with the tides and whatnot, uh, they're going to alleviate that gas in they, their swim bladder. Sure. Okay. Okay. So that's where that comes from. All right. And that's what it says. Basically, it says this, it says this enables the fish to move comfortably, comfortably to make small and quick up or down movements in the water column. And then it goes on to say there are four major factors uh, that can change hydrostatic pressure in the fish's world. And it goes on to talk about these these four patterns. They mean four different things and the patterns that they go through. And without really discussing every bit, all four of these things, I would just like for people to go on midcurrent.com and, yeah. read, and read the pressure myth himself. But, uh, it's, you know, it's very interesting to me. And, but it basically just says, it says equally important when the barometric pressure rises or falls, it can take more than a day to equal the change in hydrostatic pressure that a fish can experience in seconds. Okay. So some, obviously some fish are affected by hydrostatic pressure. So basically when, when a fish goes from, let's say three foot of water, you hook, you hook him in three foot of water. Right. Well, he takes off the deep water and he gets down into about six or nine foot of water. Right. He's experiencing then hydrostatic pressure. Right. But uh, okay. obviously larger fish maybe, is it, is that the larger fish can handle more pressure than, than smaller fish? I mean, you, you never catch a, a dink fish at 40 foot deep. Yeah, well, I don't think that, that, that their swim bladder can handle it. Right, okay. Because of the gases in their swim bladder. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Which would make sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, but then it talks about the tide and the hydrostatic pressure. It talks about how the waves affect hydrostatic pressure. Uh, and then the weight of the air itself, which influences the hydrostatic pressure. Okay. Uh, and he, and he, so he just goes to talk about uh, even a dramatic change in the barometric pressure will be lost to the everyday pressure changes experienced by the fish under normal oceanographic conditions if i said that word right okay. oceanography whatever Sound it is right it says it's a happy notion that one could simply consult the mercury column each day to know whether they should go fishing or not <laughs> and then he goes on to say uh but it's likely that barometric pressure alone can trigger the sudden bite that angling's common wisdom often asserts all right so basically he's saying that he's saying well, everything you've ever been taught is uh bs about, well not bs but about barometric pressure about barometric pressure right yeah you know it's one of those instances too Maybe all along that we've been taught the barometric pressure has been the term to right, use. Right. You know, I'm not sure when the term, I think you said the other night when the term hydrostatic pressure was coined, you said what, in 15 or 1600 or something like that? Yeah, it's been a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And there were several guys, mathematicians or something, that actually coined that phrase. And it was, yeah, a few thousand years ago. It has to do with the fluids of, uh, Thousands, just hundreds of yeah, years ago. 15, 16. 18 or something. Yeah, 1500, yeah. 1800, 300 years ago. Yeah. But uh, whatever. The point is, it's, it has to do with fluids and mechanics. I'm a fisherman, not a mathematician. Yeah, me, I know the feeling. Trust me. And so, I just think that maybe, perhaps that maybe we've been misled, or just their lack of general knowledge, not knowing that there was such a thing as hydrostatic pressure. Because hell, I didn't know what hydrostatic pressure was myself until a month ago. Yeah, I didn't either. I mean, I just know basically being a guide that we have to fish no matter if it's prefrontal, frontal, or postfrontal right. a lot of times. And so I've never paid a whole lot of attention to that. Uh, now, I've gone out days and, you know, I only, only caught a few fish. And I, and I sure as hell have blamed it on the, you know, the barometric pressure. You know, it's, it's an easy blame. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's only the first day after the front. Fishing sucks. Well, well, well the beauty about that excuse is everyone else has it and no one's ever going to dispute it until now. They may dispute this though. Yeah. Well, though, yeah, we're going to get disputed. And uh, well, I, well, I think it's I think it's just more of a terminology. You know. Well, I guess it's not. Well, it's not. It's, it's, two, it's two separate things. It's two different things. Yeah. yeah. It's completely two different things. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
like I said, like we need to try to get this guy on here, this doctor on here, and let him kind of lay it out for us. And then those are good questions to ask him. You know, ask him about what kind of fish it affects. It affects if it affects saltwater fish only, or freshwater fish, or both, or lakes, rivers, creeks, right. estuaries, yeah. bays. You know, depths. And I yeah. mean, I have a lot of questions for the guy. I do too. And he may not know the answer to any of that. And he may not want to talk about <laughs> it, but we're gonna ask him anyways. Right. 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 All right. Well, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's a last myth. Um, that we got, or we got any more? No, I think that's the last myth. Here's a myth that Tom McNeely is good looking. That's definitely a myth. That, uh, that is absolutely a fact. Shit. But, no, it's been verified. By who? Everyone. You just can't stop looking at me. Man, I've got, I have to. You're sitting right across the desk from me. It's here. awesome. Man, I know. It sucks. I mean, it's a little me. uncomfortable. Well, you know, I need to get a kind of a, maybe a window or something I can look out of or something, you know? Yeah. But, uh, well, man, I hope you have a good weekend fishing. You think you going fishing tomorrow? Going fishing tomorrow. Well, I have to do the radio show here in Jacksonville, so I won't be able to go fishing with you. Good I'll be for on you. Gone fishing radio show. All right. We'll but, edit uh, that. Well, whatever. <laughs> but uh, hey, I'm not trying to plug them. That's just a fact. But but uh, where are you going to fish tomorrow at? Um, wherever the uh, hydrostatic pressure is in my favor. How is it supposed to be tomorrow? Have you checked? I haven't looked. Do we technically have a hydrostatic hydrostatic? Pressure gauge? No, we don't have one, but I don't... Well, see, there you go. We need to create a... I don't look at the weather anymore. Well, I don't either. Just... Uh, well, I, do, I do. If it's raining real hard, I'm not, going to, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not going out, you know. A little cold and rain, mm. but that that kind of thwarts me a little bit, but not much. Well, I will tell you this. There is a front coming in there, correct? Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, there is a front. Uh, today would have been a day to go fishing, according to uh, all uh, previous knowledge. Conventional wisdom. Conventional wisdom, yeah. Yeah, well... But I know tomorrow is supposed to drop down... Probably about 40 degrees, isn't it? I don't think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a fairly decent temperature tomorrow. Well, it's going, well I think it's like 52 is a high. I don't know. 52 to high lows. It's supposed to be in the 30s this weekend again here in Florida. I don't know. I'll be fishing tomorrow no matter well, what. Well, anyways, folks, I have, you have a uh, great week fishing. If you have any questions, you can uh, email us. Well, if you don't have any questions, it's because you don't fish or you didn't listen to this podcast. Exactly. And... Uh, Ty has now created us a, uh, we now have a Facebook page, and we have a Instagram page, and uh, we're on the World Wide Web now, which is news to me. Yeah. But uh, I guess people can see us, and we'll be putting fit- pictures up there of fish that we caught in hydrostatic conditions. and <laughs> Hydrostatic conditions. And I may even put a photo of myself out there. I'm not real sure yet. Let's, let's don't scare them that bad, dude. They don't listen to us. Yeah, it'd be great. I think I'm like a black and white picture of you, mural of you going. Ugh. Yeah, just awesome, of, awesome dude. Just of my beard. Just, just the beard. Yeah, the bearded wonder. Well, that's uh, that's uh, maybe that's enough boring people for today. If it's boring, not boring to me. I love it. I love the education behind it. It's awesome. I can't wait to see if we can get this doctor on the on the show and maybe back up or debunk or we'll send him a hat or something. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so uh, that's our myth show or our anti myth show. We're uh, the debunkers, you know. The debunkers of fishing myth. That's so, right. Well, so, th- thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time, next week. Same bat channel. This has been the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. I'm Captain Don Taylor, Jr. Captain Tom McNeely. Out. See you. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Check us out on the web at backwaterhustle.wordpress.com or check us out on Facebook at Backwater Hustle The Fishing Podcast. You can reach us at bckwaterhustle at gmail.com and hit us up on Instagram at at bckwaterhustle. This has been the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Out.
That's all he is, Captain Donnie.